0: Welcome, friends. It's really nice to see you again. Thanks for coming over. And we have a very interesting discussion today. Dr. Cousins is uh, bringing up the idea of resisting evil and how you fight evil and ideas like proportionality and other questions about it. It's going to be fascinating, and time's going to go real fast. So thanks for being here, and we'll go right to Dr. Cousins. Thank you, Dr. Cousins, for your insights on incredible topics like this. This is going to be interesting.
1: Yes, thanks, Richard. So I'm raising a question that can push buttons, but that's what makes it valuable to have actually a discussion. So a person named Roger Simon, uh, who's a commentator, said there's no such thing as being proportionate when it comes to uh, fighting evil, the conquering evil." So I think it's really interesting to discuss, because at some point that has to be in people's minds at some level. But first, let's do a little dancing. We're going to get in the spirit of things that, in the bottom of this, there needs to be some level of spiritual joy. Uh, and from that, we, we go into kind of a, in a sense, a more thoughtful conversation. So we're going to do a little dancing here. Okay. just for a moment. Here we go. Just focus my eyes as we go into
0: meditation.
1: okay. So we come out of meditation. We'll go back to that quote, which uh, people, it's meant to be a little controversial, okay? And it isn't actually my quote. It's it's again by a man named Roger Simon, who's a commentator, I think, out of New York. You know, there's no such... No such thing as being proportional when it comes to confronting and defeating evil. Okay, so we look at things around the world. They want to say that things around the world are pretty wild right now. Okay, so in Sudan, for example, uh, thousands of people are being killed with the warring factions. Obviously, you have Hamas. In Israel and you know Hamas, Iran, you know, they connection, all connected. Hezbollah um, and you know then you have wars and skirmishes in other places in Africa as well as really throughout the world. The world is in a time of real chaos. Okay, getting worse. And some people feel that this is not by accident. And I think that's an important thing. And I happen to agree it's not by accident. I think Richard also agrees it's not by accident. So in the midst of all that, you know, you have obviously Russia and Ukraine and the mistreatment of Russian civilians by and soldiers by the Ukrainian uh, Nazi uh, symbolized soldiers, and so it's all over. It's like a contagion. Now, in the midst of that, there, in my mind, although there is no such thing as uh, a good war, uh, when people are getting killed and families are being destroyed in many ways, it's like, that can never be good. That can never be positive. And that's why we have the World Peace Meditation each Sunday night to create a thought form for peace. And it does work. Okay? It really does work. Uh, you know, there's been over 300 studies since 1973 that when you're meditating and praying for peace, the amount of Crime goes down. The amount of violence and uh, murders, uh, it goes down. So we know that happens. In uh, Rhode Island, they did a study about 350 meditators, did, and they meditated for three months, and guess what happened? Crime, went down, crime rate went down 43%. Okay? That's pretty impressive then people said that's a fluke. So they came back the next uh, year, same time, and the crime rate went down 49% as compared to previous times. Okay. So it wasn't just a time of year it's compared to previous times that, at that time of year. So we know we can make a difference. So here's the, the sticky part. Okay. Uh, the is there such thing as a noble war? Is there such thing as uh, good fighting or good killing? My answer is no. Okay, and at the same time, uh, in the tradition of the samurai, in the tradition of of uh, different kind of like noble fighting, and I don't want to idealized knights and armor and all that. But there's a kind of honorable uh, kind of combat. Uh, None of it's good, but honorable versus what we have seen, um, and which is out there in what happened with Hamas, um, didn't just kill people, uh, didn't just torture people, but seriously mutilated people, seriously gang raped women, mutilated them, cut their breasts off, and did a variety of other things. Now, how do I know that? There are pictures, but there are also witnesses. And I've heard from the witnesses who survived uh, that this really happened. You know, there was a kind of a, a dance gathering. I don't know if I would call it a rape gathering. I've never been to a rape gathering. But, you know, there were about 250 people there, uh, 300. And more than 200 were slaughtered. But they just weren't killed. They were tortured. They were raped. The women were mass raped. There was a gang raping of the women. This is, let's say, outside the bounds of normal warfare. We consider war is bad. Yeah, we can all agree on that. That's a good principle. But when we take it to mutilating and sexually uh, molesting uh, the, the woman you're killing, that's maybe a little bit different um, at the level they did. Okay. Um, and what's interesting, just to make a point about perspective, is that women against rape? Those organizations around the world didn't even protest the gross uh, <clears throat> treatment of the Israeli, uh, you know, teenagers and you know, young women who were at the rape dance. There was no, there is no sound of protest from the fact that these women were uh, gang raped and so forth. So. That that goes past the uh, issue of war per se. That goes into what we would call evil. Yes, all war is evil, but then there are degrees of evil. Um, and what I'm saying is that we, we've kind of seen the degrees going beyond anything I can imagine, Um so well, those are kind of issues that you kind of look at. And that's why he said there's, there's no such, such thing as being proportionate. So, you know, what you see when you see that is an effort to defeat, in this case, Hamas. Now, please be aware that you're not talking genocide here because you're talking a whole lot of the population. They're bringing food in. They're doing this. They're going after Hamas. That is traditional warfare. Now, you're bombing buildings. Well, we've seen that with Japan, Nagasaki, Hiroshima, Dresden, really uh, the battles in Russia, Russia, Germany, where literally millions of people were killed. I think 20 million Russians were killed in World War II. Um, So we have, like, you know, is there such thing as relatively in war, or is it just an absolute shouldn't kill, and that's fine? Uh, well, I would agree with that, except you got to get the other side to agree with that too. So, in the case of the Hamas thing, the Hamas started in the 1980s, but this battle has been going on since 1948, when the state of Israel was created. And in the 1920s, there were riots against the Jews. Uh, in this land, even though the Jews have been here, you well know, at this point, thirty-three thousand eight hundred years, uh, a real history is, you know, historically proven and so forth. Um, you still have uh, fighting between Arabs and Jews. Okay. Uh, but this is another level. And what's important here is that it's not like people are, well, they just lost it in the moment. Hamas has clearly and repeatedly said, We want to kill all the Jews, not only in Israel, but in the world. And that is a very different statement than war. Okay, and that is a genocidal statement for sure. From the river to the sea is war. And that refers the Jordan River to the Mediterranean. And it that's a different statement than we're at war and people are getting killed and we're bombing buildings and we're doing this. We're giving them no place to hide. Where are Israel is going out of its way because the world generally makes a point of it. To notify people, you know, several days in advance, this is going to be attacked. You need to leave the building. We are destroying all of this. And so we can flush out Hamas, who is using UFOs folks as shields. That's been a fair claim, and of course, that's against the, I guess, what do you call it Nuremberg rules, or whatever the rules are, you're not supposed to use innocence as shields. Now what a lot of people don't know is, not sure what innocence is. What we know is, that wall, which actually I thought was just, one whole wall, but there were 40 places where Hamas attacked and broke through with tractors and explosives broke through the wall. That's pretty interesting. And thousands of, quote, civilians, not the soldiers, came through and were part of the raping and the stealing and the murdering. So this is almost like a population choice but they're still not going after the population. They're going after Hamas. It's hard when Hamas is, according to the rules of war, you're not supposed to hide behind, um, quote, innocence. So all this is going on, and there's a lot of gray areas in discussion, but it's worth discussing, and that's what Richard and I are are trying to do uh, this evening, is take a look at that, and and see if we can get it a little clearer about it. Uh, so what's the difference between pure evil, when you're you know raping women, cutting off their breasts, mutilating them, uh, cutting off their heads, shooting the, you know that level, and war casualties? You know, is there a difference? Well, ultimately, there's no difference. You kill somebody, you kill, but when you're mutilating, doing different things while they're alive, that is a level of terrorism which affects the purpose. Anyone, you know, affects all, for example, the mutilation, the raping, uh, you know, affects all the women, uh, more particularly. This this one kind of thing that was done deliberately, it wasn't about a bunch of people uh, losing control, in the heat of war. It wasn't like that. It was explicitly planned to do that. rape, pillage, mutilate, and behead. That was what they had been told to do. And how do I know? Because I I saw, besides it happened, I've been seeing interviews of some of the Hamas soldiers, and they all said the same thing. They, They said, we were told to do that. And and they were told by their <coughs> religious teachers, uh, so it wasn't like in the military. So I'm going to just uh, turn it back to Richard to, to see what he has to say about this uh, from a different angle. Well, maybe not. Maybe it's just
0: You bring up such important, you know, life topics, Gabriel. I mean, I, I wish I could do justice to it, and I I think it's, this is one of the really big ones. I, I think where I'm coming from is, I first of all, I have to apologize for, I, I'm still in a kind of a shaky physical condition, I'm not over what happened to me, but I think it's important to be here anyway, so I apologize for that shaky voice, etc., What I want to say is I know on a spiritual level I'm not from here. And I'm saying you're not either and neither is anybody else. And we're all dreaming that we're caught in this nightmare. And within the nightmare there are certain norms that have nothing to do with who we are and are spiritually completely unconscious. And we're talking from there. Now, You brought up the example of Israel and what's being done to the Palestinian people and what was done to the Israeli victims of the Hamas attack, all of which is unconscionable in my opinion. And, you know, Netanyahu would support what you said about non-proportionality or who you were quoting because he said even God would, God had encouraged people to commit justified mass murder in the Bible. And I've read it and that's true. And it's not just God overcoming people. It's God saying, slaughter them, because they're evil. And it's exactly what you're talking about. And I completely disagree with it. And I think that's a mischaracterization of God. And I don't agree with it at all. That's why I'm a heretic, is from a biblical point of view, is because I don't think that's God. And when, when you want to talk about where we're from and what God's about, it's more in line with what you're doing with the World Peace Project it's unconditional love. So knowing that, what do you do if somebody attacks you with a knife, for example, on the street? And I'm trying to go fast because our time's going to be over soon.
1: No, thank you. We have time. We have time. Okay.
0: So, you know, I have some background in martial arts. I was never a high-ranking uh, practitioner, but enough years, so I'm real familiar with the point of view, and I'm a firearms supporter, and... Second Amendment supporter, and self-defense advocate. And I think it's critical that governments never take away that unalienable right to defend yourself. And you use it when you have to. But when you have to resort to physical violence to solve a problem, it's your failing. It means it's all you've got because you've lost touch with your innate spiritual abilities, which would defuse conflict. And just like the example that you gave of the crime rate going down in the city, those were violent criminals. They weren't participants knowingly in the meditation. And right. they were they were diffused. Their crimes were stopped. Their minds were changed. And I'm saying that's a tiny glimmer of what our normal ability used to be at some point. And if we get that back, all these are moot points. Now, you bring up what's justified in war as, you know, as opposed to an individual attack. And I'm saying none, none of it's justified. You know, you talk about giving Hamas no place to hide. Well, that's nonsense. They hide in the banks and they're, they're given orders from the financial centers of the world. And as long as those are giving the orders and controlled by Satanists, if Hamas is killed, they'll come. They'll come up with some other group. They'll not. They won't stop it. You know, Hitler didn't arise on his own and wasn't funded on his own. He was supported by Western banks and Western eugenicists that he was inspired by, like uh, Margaret Sanger and others. He didn't just show up, and he was specifically designed to do what he did. And then they stopped him when they didn't need him to go any further. It's what's called the globalists and what's behind them is the Satanists and what's behind them are non-human levels that I've seen in the so-called astral world. So if we want to really give things no place to hide, that has to be changed. And the only thing I know powerful enough to change it is um, what you're doing with world peace meditation and what that represents And if you look at, in the meantime, what to do, I would say that um, governments like the U.S. and Israel and Netanyahu quoting God saying, kill them all, is a disgrace, and they're all guilty. But the problem is coming from much higher. And you can't eradicate this problem with any number of bombs. That's just what it looks like to me. And the other thing is, I have complete empathy for the victims in Israel. They never should have been subjected to any of that. That's not normal. But if you want to see the other side, you choose a family that got bombed with kids and see the kids getting torn to pieces by the Israeli bombs. That's also unconscionable. And to take a side is to miss what the real sides are, light against dark. And it's not, you know, Netanyahu said, uh, we have to kill them all because we're the people of light. That is such a mischaracterization of the truth, you know. And we have to stick to the real level in this, this stuff because the only way we're going to avoid world destruction is to get past the retribution stage and get into pacifying the whole planet. Otherwise, we're we don't have a future. That's what. So, we-
1: I I can't really disagree with you. I think we both agree on that. The issue that really is hard is how do you stop someone that's not playing by the same
0: rules? You go after the banks. If you don't, if you don't look at where it's coming from, you're not going to stop it.
1: So, I
0: agree with that. They Otherwise, you wipe them out and they're going to come back with another ally and try to bomb Israel, which is right. uh, would be terrible, too. I mean, clearly...
1: The globalists, the Illuminati are behind us, as far as I can tell.
0: That's right. There's
1: a lot of irregularities, and I think that's true. Yes. Um, and so we're in agreement. What we're talking about, and I'm gonna talk about his everyday life, so to speak, sure, is the kind of reality on the ground. Um yeah. Of what people are having to face because yes. when somebody or a group of men are coming to rape you as a woman it's very hard to think about it's the bankers and it's the Illuminati and it's the all planet people
0: no you need, a, you need a semi-auto rifle and you need to shoot the attackers Okay, if, if that was happening and people were armed and, and having their Second Amendment rights as they're supposed to, the motivation to attack them would be a lot less.
1: I would agree. That's why we see in the United States women are uh, really the uh, major arms producers at this point because they know the police aren't going to be able to attack them.
0: Yeah. I'm just saying make a defense. What's being called defense by the U.S. and Israel and most other countries is a disgrace. It's not defense. The U.S. has troops all over the world, and that's not defense. That's uh, occupation, and it leads to all kinds of trouble.
1: Right. It's imperialism. I wouldn't call it occupation. They have argument, but it's imperialism.
0: Yeah.
1: It's uh, control by force. I don't think what I'm talking about in this case is exactly that. And we have a, a, the problem is we have our theory of how it should be, on which you and I both agree. Yeah. No question about that. And we have different worlds. And I have to say, after listening to the Hamas people who were captured or surrendered or whatever they did, they're in a different world. They're a different reality. And problem, one of the problems we face as we, as Judeo-Christian, you know, um, Westerners, Europeans and Americans and, you know, New Zealanders and, and Australians and that kind of thing, is yeah. we're operating by a different set of rules. We don't really understand, and I'm even going to say validate, the rules on which Hamas is working. Right. And it makes it harder to have that discussion. Now, what I've seen throughout Israel is that the, 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 the communities that have the highest rate of murder are Arab communities. Why is that? That's just a statistical reality. They're played by a different set of rules, a different set of the meaning of honor, a different set of family and tribe. It's really different. Now I'm not judging it as being bad necessarily, I'm judging it as being different. And applying our kind of Western values to their way of thinking about it, which is different, doesn't doesn't speak to the situation. And that's part of the problem we have here. What we can see is the way order comes is by force, unfortunately. It's not by um, good thoughts, reason, or philosophy, so or by meditation in this case. Meditation influences it because when you increase the frequency, it's easier for people to give that up. We can go to Sudan. Right now there's major warfare going on there, you know, major massacres and different things that are going on. It's not like Hamas and and Israel are the only people in the the world doing this. And so these are tribal-type things is what we're looking at. And I'm not justifying the different set of rules, but I'm also saying I can't play... I I can't tell people to play by your rules when the other team is using a totally different set of rules. And I think that's part of the problem here. So when you fight back by uh, the other team's rules, I don't trivialize it by saying team, it's something they can understand. And I heard some Hamas people speaking because we're here, I'm listening to this, you know, if, 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 um, if we're not defeated totally by Israel, we win. That's how they're thinking about it. They're not thinking about our level of morality. They're not thinking about this. Their imams have told them, this is good, this is a holy war, you know, and you go ahead and do it. Rape, kill, do that. They're infidels,
0: so right. they're saying that they're they're saying that God backs up their position. Yes, I've read
1: those. Stories. So Allah backs up their position. Right? That's
0: what they call God, Gabriel.
1: I know, but it, but I'm using the word Allah because that's what they're talking about. Yeah, uh, and I'm just trying to be accurate.
0: Yeah, yeah. It- so that that means God is on their side,
1: right? And so we have this situation where we really have different sets of values, rules, and ideas, okay? And this has been going on at least, you know, since 1948. You know, when the day Israel proclaimed it existed, you know, they were attacked by, I don't know, five different countries. Um, So we have to understand there are serious cultural differences here that allow for certain things. So that's part of the discussion. We can't just say, look at our way as if this is the only way people think about things. And because of that, then the rules, you also have to play by rules, by approaches that they will understand, even though it may seem brutal.
0: Setting up the country of Israel in that region was known to be very dangerous and lead to this kind of thing because, yeah. of, that, because of that difference. It's not right. a surprise.
1: But right. it's also prophecy that this is the only place Jews can go. And you look around the world, Jews are being forced out of wherever they're living and there's rates of uh, anti-Semitism are, are skyrocketing, attacks and so forth, all prophesied a long time ago, not last week, you know, uh, so this is just part of a, a bigger picture happening. Um, and it was prophesied, you know, by many of the ancient prophets that um, Israel would return to the land after much hardship uh, and so forth. Moses talked about it, and he, you know, indirectly he described Hitler, all, all the abuses that were on. You know that they would uh, undergo as burning karma. We didn't quite use that word, but that's what he was talking about before they could return to the land. So this is a force that was happening. Keep in mind that uh, the Arab world in this land wasn't here before really in any kind of numbers between nineteen before nineteen twenties. And the Israel, the Jewish migration was more in the 1880s, 1890s. And then they invited the Arabs in as, as as the paid work. So that's kind of the progression. But when Mark Twain was here in the 1850s and 1860s, he, there weren't, there weren't hardly anybody here actually. There was Jerusalem. Uh, so, there was a movement coming back based on the Jews having no place to go in the world. Which really, after Hitler, clearly made the point. So there's a a few pieces here. It's not like there aren't other places for Arabs to go, but really what you see in Arab lands is all the Jews, 800,000 Jews who were forced out of all the Arab lands that came to Israel in forty-eight. Which is a much higher rate of migration uh, being forced out of all these lands than uh, Arabs leaving Israel when they were asked not to leave. The mayor of Haifa, it's all recorded, okay, specifically said, "Please do not leave. We we'll want you. You're part of us." So there, there is a little difference. So I'm kind of throwing out some of those you know historical realities.
0: Right. Yeah, so if you set up a country, not Israel but something else like that in the middle of Sudan, you'd have a problem too, right?
1: Well they're having lots of problems in Sudan. I don't understand the politics of it, but there's three groups fighting each other. Right. Thousands of people being killed.
0: When you, I'm just wanting you not to undersell the power of the world peace idea because when you look at the uh, difference in the rules that people are playing by what rules do you think carjackers play by?
1: Well uh, they are playing by a different set of rules I right. have a, a right to steal your, your car the, the point I'm making is I believe that eventually we will have our 1,000 years of peace.
0: Uh, I'm apart. not satisfied with a 1,000 years of peace because... Well, we have to start somewhere. I think that's a good beginning. If you get to the year 1,000, it's not happy.
1: Well, uh, then there'll be a temporary break, and then eventually
0: it will be more than a 1,000 years. I mean, ahead. the whole point is you've got to make these things permanent.
1: Yeah, but the human nature is... You know, a 1,000 years is, is pretty good. We've never seen anything like that on this planet. That's uh, true. So I have to be not as idealistic and say, yeah, we want permanent peace, but let's start with a 1,000 years. I won't make a complaint about that. Um, and know that there's, a, there's still stuff to be worked out.
0: Right. I just think if you look at the example of Israel and what it's doing in Palestine right now, there's no way to eradicate evil by what they're doing. I think that's very foolish to think that that's going to be an end to it. All it's going to be is massive suffering. Uh, well. As long as the bankers want to keep bankrolling the the horrors, they're going to continue. And if they killed every civilian and every Hamas person in Palestine, I don't think that's going to reform the globalists. And that's where it's coming from.
1: I happen to agree with you. I don't know the details, but we know it's at that level. Okay, and right. both Israel and Hamas are, in a sense, puppets in this. Okay, I think.
0: Yes, so is the U.S.
1: Well, they're they're puppeteers also. I believe I think, but
0: they're all being controlled.
1: Yeah. So. That is the deeper solution Now we see around the world. Like in Argentina, you know, they have uh, a new president who seems to be right on with it.
0: Yeah, Yeah. very encouraging.
1: So I think you're seeing in Italy, there's a woman who's president or whatever the title is there. Um, Again, thinking the same way. So I think we're seeing a movement in that direction.
0: Yeah. Yeah, also we we need to remember that in other examples in history where this idea of non-proportional extermination has been followed with the justification that it would end fighting, it never did. I mean, the fighting always ends when the globalists want to do something different. It doesn't you know, the the unfortunately,
1: heresy, unfortunately, I agree with you,
0: okay? I'm sorry, but yeah, I think that's the truth.
1: But if you have an unruly... But you have to see locally, too. Okay? Yeah. And locally, Hamas has not made a very good neighbor. Okay?
0: No. So that's a spiritual challenge, and somebody's got to be up to it.
1: And for 75 years, they've been working on it.
0: And not not the, well
1: enough. Yeah. Well, but it's easy to be critical with it. But remember, people are playing by
0: different rules. Well, I'm criticizing the same criticism of the U.S. situation.
1: Yeah. Somewhere along the line, when people get tired of suffering enough, they start to change their mind. And I think that unfortunately is another way people change. There's an easy way and there's a hard way. Okay? People are choosing to do it the hard way. It's, and I think that's what we're looking at. I mean, when you look at the creation of Gaza, first it was Egypt, and then then they gave it to um, the Palestinians, and they voted in Hamas, okay, 2008 or something like that. It was given to Gaza, the uh, Palestinians in 2005 or six, something like that. Right. Then Hamas came in. They okay. defeated the other PLO, and everybody's tossing each other off building tops and a lot of uh, violence. Again, very heavy violence took place. And uh, it's kind of like when a fire is burning, you have to actually put it out. It's called survival. So we're not actually talking about peace here. That's why I agree with you. We're talking about survival. And, and you know, what I get from hearing people in Israel say, this is survival. We can't survive this. The whole state. There's a kind of a, 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 which is exactly what Hamas wanted to do. It's called terror that people have. It's like, okay, this has been going on for a lot, a lot of years, eighteen years. So let's say, you know, eighteen years is a long time. We're not. It's not getting better. Okay, now it's even worse, and people just are at an emotional point, or they. Can't handle it. Okay, you could say, well, they're not spiritual enough, but the fact is they can't handle it. And Hamas is, has no intent of letting up. They're very clear about it. You know, I couldn't be clear that their intent is to destroy everyone in Israel and also Jews around the world. That's what they've said repeatedly, even now.
0: That's because they're just following orders like the Nazis.
1: Uh,
0: ever since their creation... Yeah.
1: They were created by Israel. They believe it, though. They believe it. They've been taught that since they're three years old.
0: Yeah, yeah. Everybody in the world is following orders to some extent. Right. It's got to break at some point. Because the technology is such at this point that if they just do retribution for survival, it's getting to the point where it's going to be all over. Yeah, I don't
1: think we're going to go there, but I think there's a risk that humanity, as in past civilizations, could destroy itself. You know, this is not the first time we've reached these kind of peaks
0: of things. And, and what you're suggesting in the world peace idea has never been accomplished in our history. Because if it were, we wouldn't be in this situation.
1: Right. But that's why I push the world peace meditation, because it's the only real solution where everybody's hearts become one
0: there was a Gary Larson cartoon with a battlefield in the old uh, swords and shields days and everybody was dead lying in piles except one guy and he said we won because he was still alive
1: right I know it's not a good scene we got there It's not a good scene and we have to look at, you know, the steps we have to take that are not idealistic, but are kind of like, what is actually going to change this picture? And that's why the meditation is very important, but not enough. We, we we need, you know, 9,000 people to do it. We should be able to get that easy. We don't have that much. You know, I mean, that's part of the, you know, so the world has to move in that direction. And I think, As things crumble all over the world, it does wake people up. You know. Yeah. So it's a hard one, you know, but I don't want to let our uh, idealism kind of undermine us. It's it's a it's a it's a paradox.
0: It is. Remember your time, too, because you're right at your limit here.
1: Okay. So I want to acknowledge, you know, we live with this paradox. And may we all be blessed we can move, get through it to the other side, where we do indeed create the thousand years of peace. I believe it's very attainable. I believe we're going to be moving that direction more actively as the see prophecy in 2025 and spring 50 years of transition to that thousand years of peace so i think i feel very uh, optimistic but i also look at the boots on the ground and say we have to deal with that too so we have to live with that paradox as we move towards <coughs> a higher evolutionary state of consciousness so i bless everybody who's listening that we feel open to move in that direction Thank Richard, it was a good discussion, and done for helping put this
0: Yeah, thank you, Gabriel. Um, yeah, we'll wrap it up quickly because of our time constraint here. But I just want to say that um, I agree with um, what Gabriel said, that we don't want to have the idealism make us impractical, but the whole point is make the idealism practical. You know, if the idealism doesn't work in the real world, then it's uh, self-deception and a waste of time. And I'm saying, if it's only going to be a helpful atmosphere that we're creating, that's not going to be good enough. You know, we're going to have to change the whole situation. And somebody has got to do it. And, uh, you know, from my perspective, I think that's you. And to start to break the mind control, which we all talk about, and then we walk around continuing to live like zombies in ways that we don't even have a consciousness of, and that's got to break. You know, we, we've got to get to a point some point, at some time, sooner than later, where we realize we're spirit spiritual beings, and that's not a religious statement. It's something, if you dig apart the mind programs that we're all using to mind control ourselves, and you get rid of those, and you release them, and you drop them, sense of limitation that's been put on you by programming and you get back to who you are and who you've always been the world would be transformed and i think that's our job and we get distracted by all these things that seem really important and critical and urgent and spend all our time days and night doing that and the time goes by and goes by and goes by and we've got a tragic situation that continues on earth that somebody has to stop And I don't think it's necessary. And it's in our hands. You know, God doesn't just walk in and fix your everyday life or it would have happened before now. It's up to you. And where we put our attention is not just in a half an hour a week of meditation, although that gives the the focus. It's where are you the rest of the time? And I don't say that just pointing at you. I know that's what I have to do too. And I haven't been the example that I need to be of it any more than the other people have. So that's where all my focus is now, trying to bring the two together, take the paradox of the seeming incompatibility between what's called idealism and real everyday life and bring them together and the paradox, make them one. And I think everybody's got that ability to do right now. It's just a question of are we willing? I hope so. So, anyway, bless everybody, and thanks for being here, and we'll see you next time. Take it easy.